This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, uh, so I'm pulling double duty today. That's why I had to hop down off the stage down to here. Uh, because uh, the my parents and my brother... Uh, uh, they went down to San Diego because my younger brother, who a lot of you know, uh, they're having their baby dedicated this morning at the church down in Oceanside. So uh, there are six of us samples here, and we said, hey, four of us can go, but two have to stay. So anyway, but hey, I'm glad. I'd rather be in Barstow than San Diego any day. Don't tempt me with a good time. All right, so anyway, praise God. But what they don't realize is we're going to have the time of our lives in the desert today, are we? Yeah. All right. Well, the title today is is this. It's called now. Don't laugh because it's serious. It's a serious title. It's called Holy Swag. Now, you may not believe me, but yeah, several months ago, you know, I I was I just kind of uh, dealing with some different issues. And and I, I swear, I promise you, I felt the Lord speak this word to my to my spirit, a holy swag. And you're like, what is that? What does that mean? Well, honestly, you know, in this world, we think of swag as someone with confidence and someone with, you know, uh, uh, just maybe arrogance in some instances. But what I have found is there's a lot of Christians with such low self-esteem, with such a low image of who they are, even in Christ, that they're gawking around with their head down. They're walking around depressed. They're walking around with so little confidence that they're letting people pass them by. They're letting people bully them around. They're letting the devil tell them, hey, what do you think you're doing? I saw what you did 10 years ago. I know what you used. You used to be an addict. You don't have any right to go into that church and act like that. And if, if you're in that spot, that is the devil lying to you, and you need to get a revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus, because that was the old you. You're a new person now. If you've asked Jesus into your life, you have every right to not only be in this church, but to go anywhere in this world that God tells you you can go. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. And so I'm ready for some Christians to get a godly, righteous confidence of who you are and what you can do, and no longer let the devil hold you back from the old man, the past mistakes that you made. That's a, that's over with. That's a long time ago. God doesn't even remember it happened if you repented of it. Amen? And so that's what I'm talking about. If you need an outline to follow along the sermon with, raise your hands. The ushers are going to get you one. Now, our, our first part in this series was on a Sunday night a few weeks ago, and in that And that message, the point that I was trying to get across to you is this, is that you belong to the family of God. Now, that may sound like a basic thing, but there's so many Christians that they let that truth fly right over their heads. You don't realize who you are. You don't realize that you are a member of the royal family. You know, if you watch the news or you're standing in the the checkout lines at the grocery store, you still see magazines all the time talking about the royal family and Meghan Markle done got in there. And I'm like, hey, that's right. America, we're back in Britain. We're going to take this thing over. Come on. Anyway, but uh, I quit caring about royal stuff in 1776. Anyway, but here we are. And I'm talking about this right now, that the world is obsessed with the royal family. They can do what they want to do. They can go. They're somebody. That's somebody right there. You don't want to mess with them because 
they're a member of the royal family. You can't, you can't do anything. And you don't realize that you're a member of the royal family. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And your big brother is somebody named Jesus Christ. He's your big brother, according to Romans chapter 8 and many other places in the New Testament. And so I'm thinking, why should I want to go anywhere holding my head low when, hey, when I walk into the room, royalty walked into the room. Not because of David's samples, but because of my father and because of my big brother, Jesus Christ. You don't want to mess with this guy. You don't want to mess with that lady. You don't want to mess with that boy right there. They're a member of the family. They've got resources that you can't even begin to imagine. They've got security forces that you can't even begin to imagine. If you only knew about the angels of God, the heavenly army, you wouldn't mess with a child of God. You wouldn't cross that barrier anymore. Amen. And so there's a whole bunch that we talked about in that first part of this series. But the the point that I'm going to get to today is this, is that you need to renew your mind. You need to renew your mind, and you need, when you look into the mirror, to start seeing what God sees. He doesn't see some girl that made a bunch of mistakes when she was younger. He doesn't see some dude that used to be an addict and now he's no good, or some guy that did all that. That's not what God sees. God looks down there and sees, oh, there's my girl. She's up for the day. There's my boy. He's Look out, world. He's up now. He sees somebody when he looks down here. And it's a shame that you look into the mirror and you think, I, I know, man, here I am again, and I, I don't deserve to be there. And I, I, I couldn't ever possibly apply for that job. I could never possibly uh, obtain this level in the world. Yes, you can. If you'll renew your mind and if you'll start seeing the girl and the boy that Jesus sees, that God sees when he looks down here. And so before I get into it, I just got to kind of quickly do a very quick little lesson on you need to realize that your mind is the part of you that is your soul human beings are three part right because genesis 126 tells us that mankind was made in the image of god well god is three part father son holy spirit and so the human being is three part spirit soul and body there it is Because you're a trinity also. You're not the holy trinity, but you are a trinity. You're that part. And so 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Your three parts. Well, here's the deal. Most people can identify what the body is. Do you know what your body is? Okay, hey, I see it right here. We've got our bodies here. But you need to realize that there's also two more parts to you, spirit and soul. And here's where we just break it down again a little bit more. Most Christians confuse the spirit and the soul and think they're the exact same thing. Well, that couldn't possibly be because Hebrews tells us that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides between the soul and the spirit. And so the word of God breaks it down further that your soul and your spirit are not the same thing. So let me get down to the nitty gritty here. Your spirit is the part of you that gets born again and goes to heaven someday. Your body doesn't go to heaven. That's why when we have a funeral, you know, we see a casket or ashes or whatever, because the body stays here, but the spirit goes to heaven. 
So what does that leave? That leaves the soul. And what most people don't fully understand about the soul is that your soul is very much real. It is your mind, your will, and your emotions. There's a lot of people that have very unstable emotions. Now, that could be one of two things. Either you've got some kind of a chemical imbalance, which I take seriously, and I believe that there's treatment for that. But there's also a lot of people that that's not the issue. They've got a soul problem. Their soul needs to get under control. They've got some soul issues, and they're an emotional basket case. They're all over the place. They, they, they don't even, you know, oh, I'm going to quit this job. Everyone there is mean. I'm going to go over here and, oh, that church, there, there's mean people there too. And, and this people, and, and they're, they've got issues upon issues. And when you break it down, it all boils down to their soul. And so the word of God tells us something. I'm going to get to the message. This is just the intro. If you like this, it's coming. So just wait a minute. And so Romans 12, 2 tells us, just write these verses down. Romans 12, 2, it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so let's break it down. There's three parts of you. Jesus washed your spirit. Jesus washed you in the blood of the lamb. You are pure in spirit if you're born again. You're clean. You're righteous. You couldn't get any better as a spirit person than you are right now. You are perfectly born again, washed in the blood of the lamb. Your spirit's going to heaven. That leaves the other two parts. You're going to have to wash your body. Jesus isn't going to come give you a shower every day. Amen. I've been around some people around Barstow that need that revelation. That's heavy, but they need that. You take the shower. Jesus isn't going to wash that part of you. And then there's more people that need to realize this, that it tells us right there that you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You are responsible for renewing your mind. Jesus renewed your spirit and washed your spirit, but you've got to take responsibility and renew your mind and wash your mind. You need a brain bath. You need a mind cleansing. And so many people are being held back in their lives because their mind is screwed up. Their soul is screwed up. And and and, and the answers are here. And I'm going to give the answers today. But sometimes we need to be able to look at this and say, you know what? I'm going to I'm, I'm going to take this step. I am going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and somebody that has a renewed mind, somebody that has a renewed mind, according to God's word, they don't they don't go through life with their head hanging low and think that everybody else is better than them. And I was born into the wrong family. These guys, they're privileged. They've got all this. And he was just born into that family. I don't care if you were born into the, to the Rockefeller family. I have been born again into God's family. And I would take that any day. Any day of the week, you were born again into the exact right family, and you've got the, the, the resources that you have at your disposal. The resources that are backing you are like nothing in this world. If you'll get this revelation, you'll walk with a little holy swag. You'll have a little strut in your step. You'll walk into work tomorrow morning and say, hey, look out, somebody, I'm here. Don't mess with this. Can't touch this, right? Come on, somebody. Yeah. All right. And so let's go ahead. I'm going to pray, and we're going to break this down, and we're going to see how it is 
you can renew your mind. And somebody today is going to get set free. Somebody today is going to get a revelation that's going to change their life forever. And they're moving up. They're going to get promotions. They're going to have a healed family, a healed marriage. Their kids are going to rock it. They're going to be absolutely on top of the world if they'll get this revelation. Let it be you. Let it be you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we have a church to come and worship in. Lord, we have we have a church to call home. We have people surrounding us that we can call our family. And, God, we do not take that lightly. We realize the sacrifice that it was to to pay for a bunch of people like us, Lord, but you did it. And you said, hey, I want them in my family, and here we are. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that as we open our Bibles today, as we open our hearts to your word, you'll speak to us, you'll change us for your glory in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. And so here's the question How do I renew my mind? Is there anybody in here today that can admit, like, hey, I probably need to renew my mind just a little bit because I'm not always thinking perfect thoughts about myself, about others, about, listen, today's the day. And so how do I renew my mind? Well, number one is this. You renew your mind through the word of God. Number one way, through the word of God. Now, a Christian that doesn't ever get into the word, a Christian that never reads the Bible at all, they're not going to have, that's impossible. They could never have a renewed mind. They're still going to be thinking negative thoughts, a lot of times perverted thoughts, anger-filled thoughts, hate-filled thoughts. Somebody that never spends time in God's word, their mind is going to be jacked up. They're going to have some soul issues. And so I want to show you a verse here in Ephesians 5 and verse 26. But I, I, I can tell you from God's word and personal experience, the more you read the Bible, the more you're cleaning your mind. The more you are cleaning your mind. So Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Now this is the Apostle Paul writing. And he's talking about what the Lord Jesus did for us, how he purchased us. The church is his bride. But there's something deep in this verse here. Ephesians 5.26 It says, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. I don't care who you are. Every Christian needs to take a word bath. And you need it every day. Every day. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to bet that a good majority of this room showers the body every day. I hope you do. I'm a firm believer in a daily shower. I think it does, it does the body a lot of good. Now, how crazy would it be if somebody, they only took a shower once a week, uh, once a month, whatever, and, and that's the only time that they washed themselves? And, and we're all like, well, that sounds gross. It's kind of gross that there's a lot of Christians that only take a word bath once a week, and that's on Sunday mornings. Once a month, whenever it is they come to church, that's the only Bible they get. That's kind of gross. I mean, they're going to have some yuck on them. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm being real right now. Listen, you're going to have some yuck on you. You're going to have some puke. You're going to have some nastiness from this world all over you. Like, man, I don't know why. I I just feel negative. I just feel down. I just feel something's wrong. I, I wake up and I've got bad feelings. Go take a bath, man. Wash that junk off. How do you do it? 
you get into the word, you're washed by the cleansing of God's word. The King James says, washed by the water of the word. You need to wash yourself. I mean, it's, it's not that hard to just go through life. And even if you're not trying to, the yuck of this world gets onto you. You're not even, you may not even be out there in the wrong places, but it'll find you, won't it? You're not out looking for trouble, but sometimes trouble will just find you. And there's people at work. There's people maybe in your own household. There's trouble that will try to get onto you. You need to wash that stuff off. And so a Christian that never spends time in God's word, their soul is going to be an absolute mess. A mess. They're going to be thinking all sorts of thoughts. They're going to be fighting with other people. Because they've got anger issues, they're gonna be, they're gonna be thinking and saying nasty things. Why? Because their mind needs renewed. And they're also gonna be thinking very lowly of themselves. And thinking bad of themselves. And not seeing who God sees when He looks at you. And so I'm, today's not a, a pep talk. Today's not a self-image thing. Today's a Jesus image thing. If you see yourself so bad and so nasty and so screwed up, basically you're saying, Jesus, you didn't do a good enough job. You may have been able to cleanse this guy over here and bring him up from the ashes, but not this guy right here. I was too screwed up for even Jesus. You may not be saying that verbatim, but that's basically what you're saying. Jesus, when he died for you, he said, it is finished. Not, it's finished for everybody, but not Joseph. I got a little more work doing that guy right there, man. Come on. All right, Susan, it's finished for everybody except you. I'm going to need to see you after class because you've got some issues that are, that uh, the cross didn't take care of that. We got to do a little bit more on you. No, he said, it is finished. He got the job done, but you got to realize that. And you got to start seeing who Jesus sees and you got to wash that mind with the word of God. And one thing that I've noticed about the, the, the holy swag, the, the righteous confidence that God's word gives you, it's the way that you begin to view adversity. Somebody that doesn't see themselves in the light of what Jesus has already done, maybe you're feeling sick and you see yourself as some poor, sickly little child. One of these days, God may do something for me. I'm believing that someday, I'm going to get my miracle. And what Jesus sees when he looks down there is like, hey, there's a member of the royal family down there, and the devil tried to come and mess with them. You need to see yourself as that and say, man, I'm not some poor, sickly little child. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. My big brother already paid the price for healing. And Satan's tried to come in and mess with a member of the royal family. Wait till my dad finds out. He's not going to be happy. He's going to do something about that. You need to start seeing. And, and, and one way I've heard it put is this, is that you're not the sick trying to get well. You're the well already that the devil's trying to make sick. You're chasing something that Jesus said, I already paid the price for. He's already got it. What's he doing down there? You know, we have a little dog. And, uh, and you guys know how much I love dogs. Everybody knows Pastor Dave loves and adores dogs. <laughs> so anyway, we got this little dog. And I'm noticing, we're watching TV, uh, well, several nights this week. 
And I'm going to tell you how boring and old that I am. Every night I watch Little House on the Prairie or the Waltons before I go to bed. That's right. We party like it's 1860 at that house, and it's no one's business. We just do it, all right? And so I'm watching Charles Ingalls helping out, you know, one of the kids there, and I notice the dog's chasing his tail, running in circles, running into walls, running into cabinets, chasing his tail. Then I noticed it again the next night. Then three nights, he's chasing it. I'm like, dude, you're chasing something you've already got. It's already yours. You're cha- you've already got it. And yet you're chasing it looking like a fool. And there's so many Christians, I'm going to chase it down. I'm going to chase these blessings down. And according to what Jesus already did on the cross, you've already got it. You're already a member of the family. You've already been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're chasing something you've already got. You just need to realize what it is and who it is that gave it to you and and, and walk in the light of that. But you'll never know it if you never read the word of God. And so sometimes, you know, uh, a royal person, a member of the royal family, there are just some things that are, you know, they may say, well, that's beneath me. I, I don't do that. Now, I don't like stuck-up people. I'll say that. I do not like arrogant people. But spiritually speaking, there are some things that are beneath me. I am never again going to be depressed and let the devil steal my joy because that's beneath me. I'm a member of God's family. Maybe the devil's family, they can have all that they want. I'm never again going to let the devil try to come in and shake my household and steal my family. That's beneath me, man. We don't deal with, no, that's beneath me. Jesus came and paid the price. I'm a member of the family. I'm not going to deal with it. Somebody else can deal with that, but we're not going that route. And so what I want to show you is Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Do you get the revelation that you're a member of God's family yet? You've got to really, really get that. You know, so many people, oh, we were born into this family, and we're, this family's broke. We've got to get a, a, a cosigner just to buy a stick of gum. I'm like, come on, why would, why would you say dumb stuff like that? Come on, that's not the family that you belong to. We were so poor, so I saw my brother kicking a can down the road. I said, what are you doing? He said, moving. Like, come on. Don't be like that. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians 1, verses 19 through 21. Now, there's a lot of revelation right here for you. This is some deep stuff, but you need to get this. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 19, and here's what Paul was praying for the Ephesian church and for you. And I pray this over my life every morning. Paul said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. If there was even a a quarter of the Christians that understood the incredible greatness of God's power for those who believe him, this world would be in a totally different shape. So I pray to God that I will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for Pastor Dave Samples, who believes in him. And I pray that you'll get that, too. But let's keep going. It says, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So the same power that shook the earth, that rolled that stone aside and brought a dead Jesus up out of the grave, that's the incredible greatness of God's power that's available to the 2019 Christian in Barstow, California. 
Some people that get it. Some people that flies way over their head. But those that get it, it changes their life. Now look at verse 21, though. What happens next when you understand this greatness? Now he, Jesus, big brother, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Jesus is far above. There are things that are beneath him. And it also tells us that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. If I'm spiritually seated with Christ, there are some things the devil's going to throw at me. I'm not doing that. That's beneath me. I'm not going to do that. That's a mess. I, no. No way. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to smoke that drink. I'm not doing none of that. That's beneath me. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That sounds arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus did. When you can separate that, you understand what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with me. I'm not, I'm not above anything. But spiritually, because of what Jesus did, there's a lot of stuff the rest of this world puts up with. I'm not going to put up with it anymore. It's beneath me. Well, it's flu season. You know we're going to get We get it every year. Nope, not this year. Nope, not going to happen. Well, this is going around again, and oh, come on, you live here. You know, you know, I, I know the Bible says this, but you know how it really is. No, I don't. I know what the Bible says, and that's how I live my life. If the rest of everybody wants to have a fighting family and uh, and uh, whatever, that, you do that, man. Go for it, but not this family. No, no, not going to happen. Why? Because I know who my father is. I know what my big brother did. I don't have to live like everybody else. You do it if you want to. I'm perfectly fine with being that weird guy that's still married to the same gal 70 years later. You know what I mean? That's weird. And today, you made it seven years. You made it ten. We just did 15 years, and people said, that's not ever going to last. We were 18 years old when we got engaged. And people said, you're crazy. Christians try to talk me out. You never even lived with this girl. How do you know? I said, I, hey, the Bible says don't do that. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to go out on a limb here and take the incredible risk and do what the Bible said to do because it worked for thousands of years until all you geniuses showed up in the 21st century. We're just going to we're just going to try it God's way. And I'm telling you, it's worked out. Why? Because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You need to realize that you don't have to be like everybody else. If they want to be on their third and fourth and fifth, let them do it. But you don't have to. You can stay with that same guy, that same girl, till you're a 100 years old. Amen? And be in love every second of it. Why? Because you're not like them. Well, that sounds weird. I love being weird, man. Being weird's the best. Being weird's awesome. Because I found out that what the world calls normal is twisted. It is messed up. I don't want none of what they call normal. I want to be that freak that still has a family intact, that still has kids that love me, a wife that loves me, church people that still tolerate me all these years later. Come on. I'm telling you, I want to be different than what the world says. So you need to see yourself as not being poor. You're not some poor panhandler. You may have times where, you know, hey, you're believing God for finances. I get that. We've all been there. But never in the middle of a financial struggle do you need to view yourself as some poor, beggarly, panhandling bum that, well, no, that's not who you are. Your father is a multi-trillionaire. 
zillionaire, whatever comes after that. That's what your father is. Quit looking down at the ground, lift your head high, and you walk in to that household like you're the man, like you're the woman. You walk in to that job like you own the place. Because your father, it says, yeah, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Fort Irwin belongs to Jesus. That marine base, that railroad, Barstow that is part of the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. My dad owns this place. Hey. My dad owns it. I'm going to walk in with my head held high. I'm not going to be a bum. And so I was kind of thinking about this, how so many people, just their outlook is not godly, even Christian people. And I remember as a kid, I'm just going to, I'm going to go there for a minute. I'm a child of the 90s, okay? I grew up in the 90s. And there is, sometimes I, 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 I think of these commercials and different things that I would see uh, on TV, and it comes back to me. I mean, we had a lot of great stuff in the 90s, right? Does anybody remember the 90s? It was the best. The 90s were, it was an awesome time. It was great. But uh, for some reason, th- there, was this, there was this dessert served in the 90s. Now, I never had it, but it was called Vianetta. And it was this ice cream dish I used to see commercials for on TV, and I'm like, my God, that looks like the best thing ever. And they had these people with, there it is, and, and, the, and these fancy clothes eating this, this dessert. And I'm like, man, that, wow, that's what rich people eat. I identified being rich with having Vianetta. And to this day, I've never had it. I went and looked it up online. They don't even sell it in America anymore. You gotta, they sell it in Europe and in Canada. I'm like, I want to go up north. They're weird up. I'm not going to Canada to get. But so anyway, I've never, I've never had it. But I just want to show you a little bit. Then I've got a a guy on here that, uh, that turns out I'm not the only one that felt the same way about Vianetta. So I want you to see this video. Go ahead, Heather. Roll that, and then I'll explain a little bit more. Go ahead. Briars has created a spectacular ice cream dessert called Vianetta. But despite its delicious premium ice cream, with its irresistible, crisp, chocolatey layers, Vianetta could leave you with one small problem. New Vianetta from Briars. I saw this making the rounds around the internet today, and boy, if you ate Vianetta ice cream back in the day, y'all was rich. I felt like I had to put a bow tie on just to talk about this ice cream. Look at the decadence. Look at it. All chocolatey and creamy and, and delicious. They didn't have this in our grocer's freezer. Our grocery was like, man, they don't have no money for this. Give them ice cream in a bucket. That's how we had our ice cream in a bucket. Neapolitan, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. That's it. Popsicles. That's it. Ain't no Vianetta for y'all. You have Vianetta, you were rich. You had savings accounts, CDs, interest bearing. You had a phone in your room. Your parents had summer homes, mortgages. You laughed like this. <laughs> you had life figured out if you ate Vianetta. We didn't have no money. We didn't have none of the stuff in this commercial in my house. We didn't have the ice cream. We didn't have that little ice cream dish. We didn't have that serving spoon. We didn't have the soft white hands. We didn't have nothing in our house that was in this commercial. This was inspiring. I was like, man, I'm going to make it one day. I'm going to get a penthouse. I'm going to get a Vietnam. I'm going to be somebody. 
If you ate this ice cream, you had great coupon. You have your college paid for in cash. You don't have no Sally Mae, Navy, and student loan. You don't have to worry about forbearance. You had a phone in your room. You had a pager. You had a new car in high school. You didn't get a hoopty that went backwards before it went forward. You didn't have to worry about saying stuff like, this car cool. It'll get you from point A to point B. You don't have to worry about stuff like that. You don't have to explain yourself. If you eat Vianetta, you, you, you got a, you got a summer home in the Hamptons. You got a certificate of deposit. You got to worry about the IRS. You ain't got to worry about our problems. You ain't got to worry about our problems. You got to, oh, y'all must have money, money. Pish posh, Lavelle. Oh, I wish I could go back in time and just taste it. See what it tastes like. Okay, so that may have been, that may have been a little extreme, but apparently I'm not the only same one that saw Viennette. I'm like, that's for rich people. And as I looked, I looked, it was only like $5 for a case of it, but it just gave this, uh, this, this vibe that it was for the rich. And I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking like, man, Vianette, I never had it. I don't think I'm ever going to have it, but you know what? Listen, it doesn't matter if you've got that or, or, or whatever else that this world says is going to be what it takes to be successful. It doesn't, doesn't matter if, if you're relying on the things of this world. If you're a part of God's family, you can have Vianetta every day. You can have, you can have what God's word says you can have. And so sometimes, you know, even as a little kid and like that guy was talking about, we see things like, oh, that's for the rich people. No, it's for you. If it's not a sin, if it's a, it's for you, you're a member of God's family. But so many people, they see the nice, I was driving down to uh, Victorville the other day. I saw a Rolls Royce. Now, I see a lot of fancy cars going through Barstow, but I see this roll. I looked it up, and that car, I, I compared pictures, was $600,000. I'm like, oh, wow. That's like seven or eight of my houses right there. That's incredible. But at the same time, at the same time, as I'm looking at that, I'm like, man, you know what? We see things and, and in this world, and like, man, they must have a good, they must be in the right family. No, I'm in the right family my dad has owns every my dad i'm in the right family and that car it may burn up someday who knows right but what i have my inheritance is never going to burn up i'm going to be in heaven with jesus forever and ever and ever get this revelation that you need to renew your mind and you've got to do it through the word of god say that with me through the word of god and the second thing we're going to say is this How do I renew my mind? Through speaking words of faith. Now, this seems to be a hot topic right now for a lot of us that, I mean, a lot of us have been talking about this over the last week or two, that you need to start speaking words of faith over your life. For real. Because there's way too many of us that are going around speaking negative things. And Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, a lot of times we're reaping consequences in our life over the words that we spoke yesterday. Maybe today's troubles are a harvest of yesterday's words. Or maybe today's blessings are a harvest of yesterday's words, death and life. So, but either way, you need to get this revelation that you need to quit speaking bad words over your life and over your family start speaking words of faith 
Man, if anyone's getting that promotion, it's me. I'm a child of God. Man, if anybody in this town's rising to the top, it's this family. If anybody on this street's going to make it, it's this family. If anybody is not going to get the flu this year, it's my family. If anybody is making it over this problem, it's my family. We, why? Because we always triumph in Christ Jesus. We always do. You need to speak words of faith like that. So one of the greatest examples of faith in the Bible is a man named Abraham. Has everybody heard of Abraham? So Abraham was an accomplished man. He would be what you could consider wealthy. He had cattle. He had a lot of land. He had real estate. He had basically everything somebody back in that day could have wanted, except one thing. He didn't have any kids, specifically a son. Now, back then, you could have been a billionaire, but if you didn't have a son to leave it to, it was all pointless. It was useless. You weren't really a success. That was the culture. And so Abraham, he had all this stuff, but he had no heir. And so he talked to God about it. Why? Why have I not been able? What's going on? He's nearly 100 years old, and God gets his attention one night. Abraham walks outside, and he sees the stars in the sky. And God says, you see all those stars? Count them all if you can. Well, of course, we know. You can't count all the stars. And we have a beautiful nighttime skies in Barstow. We can see so many stars out here. And so I get this revelation even further living here. But God says, count all the stars if you can, Abraham. Well, his name was Abram. And that's how many descendants you're going to have. More than the stars in the sky. And so Abram, not for one second did he say, God, hello, 100 years old. Wife's 90. Wrong guy. He didn't say none of that. All it says is, and Abram believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of it. And so there's this giant, bold, big promise that he's going to have more descendants than stars in the sky. And so I want to look here at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Now, again, the average person would be very skeptical. And there's sometimes promises that God's word has made to us. And let's be honest, a lot of people, they're skeptical, like, I know it says that, but I mean, come on, always triumph in Christ Jesus? Seriously? Always? Or it says, you know, God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, every one of them? Well, if you're like Abraham and you just believe God, then God said, yep, absolutely, I'll do it every single time. I will do it. And so Abraham was not skeptical. In fact, he was so bold about believing God that God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham means father of many nations. So literally every time that he started going around meeting people, hi, my name is Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. How you doing, Jim? Nice to meet you. And people are, father of many nations? You're old and you don't have any kids. What are you talking about, weirdo? Honey, get away from that creep, you know, but 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 listen, it, it seemed like so unrealistic because God said something about him that nobody else would have said. But Abram got the revelation and he started saying about himself what God said about him. What if you started saying about yourself what God says about you? The impossible could happen. The unthinkable could happen if you'd start speaking the word over yourself like God speaks it over you. So he looked crazy until baby Isaac was born. 
Isaac showed up, friends. That's that son. That's that boy. And then everybody else looked crazy for not believing the word of God. And I'm telling you right now, if you'll start speaking words of faith, if you'll start calling yourself what God calls you, your Isaac's going to show up someday. That impossible thing that you've always wanted that nobody else thought you could have or deserve, it's going to show up if you'll start doing what Abram did. Romans 4.17 of the New King James says, as it is written, God said, Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. And the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That right there is a truth that the majority of Christians don't get. But those that get it, it rocks their world. Right there, Abram got it. He called those things that did not exist as though they did exist. What would happen if you started speaking those things into your life? We get it. You don't have the job you want just yet. But you can start speaking those words into your life. You know what, man? I'm going to work. I've got a job that I love. No, you don't. They treat you bad over there. No, 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 no. You don't get it. I've got a job that I love. Quit lying. I'm not lying. I'm speaking the word of God. My family, we've got, we've got the happiest, healthiest family anywhere around. We, we know what you guys have been through. Nope. I've got the happiest, healthiest family anywhere in the high desert. Start speaking words of faith. Start calling those things that don't exist right now as though they did exist. Some people, they won't, they won't do that. But Abram did it. And God delivered the impossible. Isaac was actually born. I want to look at this in the Passion Translation, Romans 4.17. It says, that's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and father, for in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead and call things into being that don't even exist yet. Maybe the answer to your trouble, it may not even exist yet. But words of faith can bring it into existence. Come on. Come on right now. Maybe the answer isn't even in existence yet, but words of faith can bring it into existence according to the Scripture. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at His word. Do you take God at His word or do you need extra proof to believe that God's actually true? Or do you take Him at His word? And as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. And in spite of being nearly a 100 years old, when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. I love that line right there. His faith was so strong, it was not undermined by the fact. Now, listen, maybe you're in a situation right now that you are incapable of fixing. You are incapable of making happen. Be like Abraham. Don't let that fact undermine your faith. Because there's facts and then there's truth. Fact may be you're broke. But the truth says 
that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. The facts may be that you're going through a really hard time right now, but the truth of God's word says that he always causes you to triumph in Christ Jesus. The truth says you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. Don't confuse facts with truth. Truth changes the facts. Too many Christians get stuck on the facts. If Abraham had believed the facts that I'm old, she's old, let's face the facts. This ain't ever happening. If he had got caught on that, you don't realize how that would have affected the world to this day. You don't, you have no idea the chain effect that would have had all the way down to 2019. But Abram believed and the truth changed the facts. And and that's exactly what you need to get a hold of. He never stopped believing God's promise, verse 20, for he was made strong in his faith to father a child. And because he was mighty in faith and convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises, Abraham glorified God. His faith in God's word overruled his mind. What did we just see happen? He was transformed by the renewing of his mind. Because he washed his mind with the word of God. If you'll see yourself, I'm telling you, some of you are getting it. I can see some are not. Some of you is flying straight over your head. And I'm sorry about that. But for those of you that are getting this, you'll see that if I would renew my mind and see who God sees, see what God sees, you're about to live a whole new life. You're about to go to a whole other level that you didn't even know existed. It's there and it's real, but you've got to be able to renew that mind and start seeing what God sees. So how is it that we renew the mind? Well, first of all, through the word of God, no doubt about that. And then second, you've got to speak words of faith. Then the third thing that I'm going to talk about is this, and this is huge. You need to hang out with people of faith. You need to be around people of faith. This is where so many people miss it. You need to hang out and be around people of faith. Well, there's no safe people at my job. Well, that's your job. You get them to be people of faith. You're supposed to be the one changing that job, first of all. So don't come in here. You know, people come in and cry about, oh, I'm the only Christian at my job. Awesome. Great. It's no fun to work with only Christian people. You don't have any work to do, man. They're all, they've already got it already. It's awesome to be in an environment where people aren't saved already. That gives me something to do. I get bored if everybody's already born again. I need somebody that needs Jesus. Come on. And so don't sit here and cry about you're the only Christian. Fix it. Change it. Do something. Preach the gospel. Come on. Change that situation. But you need to hang out with people of faith. So let's look at just a few verses here. Proverbs 12:26. And what is it we're talking about? What's the topic? We're talking about having confidence, holy swag. We're talking about no longer thinking that you're the you're the bottom. No, you're the top. No longer thinking that everybody else has it better than you. No, you have it better than everybody else. No longer thinking that your past mistakes are holding you back from making it in life. That ain't happening anymore. You are rising to the top. Proverbs 12:26 in the New King James, it says the righteous should choose his friends carefully. Well, why? Why is that? For the way of the wicked leads them astray. The way of the wicked leads them astray. 
Now, I'm talking about so many people, so many Christians I know, their spirit is born again. Yet they continually get led astray by people that are not born again. And Psalm 1 tells us that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or sits in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of the scornful. And, it, and I mean, what's, what's that talking about? That's not saying, no, I don't have any friends that aren't Christian. But what that is saying is some of you got friends that lead you astray and they do not build your faith up. I, I was in high school. I, I had friends that they didn't build my faith up at all. They, every time I, I could have read my Bible, then I get around these knuckleheads and they bring me down. They make me I used to do stupid things because they talked me into it. Seriously, you know that I, I would have had the best day could have been pumped full of the word of God. Go hang out with my knucklehead friend. They tear me. I'd end up doing stupid things that I regret. Stupid things that I never would have done if I was not hanging out with these guys. And I love them. They're you know good decent people. I'm friends with a lot of them still, but. They do not make the decisions in my life, and they have no influence whatsoever on how I raise my kids or treat my wife or how I live my faith out. They, they don't influence my family at all. And some Christians, they're wondering, why do I always feel, why do I keep going through this again? We're letting the world influence our decision-making. And that's, man, that is not for a child of God. You're a member of the royal family. Say that with me today. I'm a member of the royal family. That's not arrogant. That's just the truth. You're a member of God's family. 1 Corinthians 15.33. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Well, I didn't want to hear this type of stuff today. I'm just trying to help people. That's all. Man, that's all I'm doing. I ask God when I wake up this morning, just God, allow, use me to help people today. Please. That's all I want to do. I don't care if anybody thinks I'm funny. I don't care if anybody says that was a great job. I, that's my bottom line goal in, in being up here today and any day that I'm up here is to help people get out of the mess they're in. I hate to see Christians going through the same thing over and over again. They're chasing their tail like my dog does in the living room. They're chasing something. And, and, and the words that, man, it's already yours. You've already got it. You've already got joy. Quit chasing around. Trying. You just got to walk in it. You've already got the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Yeah, you're out here chasing peace around. And, and if only I could do this, you're stacking rocks thinking that's going to give you peace. No, it's not. It's not going to give you peace. No, the word of God is going to give you peace. And so one aspect of this, though, in trying to get to this is being around godly people, First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. There's a lot of really great people, but they keep some bad company, and that company, those people, will talk them into doing things and influence them into doing things that they never would have done had they been washed by the water of the word, had they been speaking words of faith, had they been around people of faith. I'm not trying to get on anybody. I'm just trying to help people this morning that maybe one reason we're going through the same things over and over again is the people we surround ourselves with. I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but it could be the case if somebody would listen to that today. And the last verse I want to see is Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25. All of this is because I realize there's a lot of Christians 
going through things that they don't have to go through. There's a lot of Christians with their head held low. There's a lot of Christians depressed, busted, disgusted with life. There's a lot of Christians that are not walking in the fullness of what God has for them. And it's time to rise above and be where God wants you to be and to have what God wants you to have. Hebrews 10.25, and if a lot of you remember, this is our theme verse for 2019 at High Desert Word Center. And I love this verse, man. My dad and I, we prayed about what the verse should be because every year we try to have a theme verse and and we pray about it. And, and Dad and I were talking about this in December of 2008. What's the verse that needs to be? And so we had some picked out. And then this verse came. And this was God's word for HDWC in 2019. You know, I, I could have picked out, we could have picked out some verse that, you know, was super inspirational. But, but, but this is God's word for High Desert Word Center in 2019. Hebrews 10, 25, the Living Bible, and it says, and let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do. There's a lot of Christians that neglect church. You can be a Christian and not go to church. I, as a pastor, believe that you can be a Christian and not go to church. You're just going to be a really not great Christian. You're going to, I mean, you can play basketball and never practice. You're not going to be any good at it, but you can, you can, you can technically be, call yourself a basketball player. You could go out and call yourself a mechanic and never actually work on cars. But hey, you know what? You want to call yourself that? We'll go along. You're, yes, you are. You're a big boy. Yes, you are. You're just not any good at it. But, and that, that sounds mean and judgment. That's not, I'm just, I'm just being honest. You can be a Christian and never, you know, belong to church or go to church. You're just not going to be any good at it. And so, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day is coming back is drawing near. And there's a key element to that verse right there. It says that we're to encourage and warn each other. I love that. How, how can you uh, be encouraged and, and, and even warned when you need it when you're never around the people of faith? I've got friends that are sinners. They never encourage me with the word of God. I've got family that are, I mean, you don't want to know some of my family in Indiana. We're talking about some hillbillies, okay? Hillbillies. You think you know redneck. You don't know rednecks until you know some of my family. They're nuts. They, one of them eats raccoons and possums and stuff. I'm just, they're crazy. They're hillbillies. And I'm telling you right now, and then there's good hillbillies that are Christians. These are not Christian hillbillies. They're, they're drunken, crazy hillbillies. But, but what I'm saying is this. But I'm a, they never encouraged me. They never warned me about, hey, how are you doing with your forgiveness in your life? How are you doing with your love walk? How are you doing with how you're raising your kid? You've been reading the Bible. They never say that to me. Never. I can hang out with some of my family. They never encouraged me not one time. They bring me down. They, and they're, they're, you know, they can be nice people. But it's people of faith that are going to encourage you and warn you and keep you on edge and keep you sharp so you can make it through this life. It says iron sharpens iron, and that's what a good friend does to his friend. You need some good friends. You need some people of faith that will sharpen you up and say, Hey, man, how you doing? What would you read in the Bible today? Well, I haven't read it. Hey, that's cool. Make sure you read before the end of the day. Make sure you get a scripture in your heart. 
thank you for reminding me. That, you know what? You're a good friend. Or, man, I, I notice you've been struggling with this lately. I've been praying for you. I promise you, none of my unchristian family ever prays for me. They don't pray. None of the, uh, you know, no, none of these people, they don't ever pray or encourage me, ever. But I'm telling you, who does? People in this room right now. There are people in this room that come up to me, man, I was praying for you this week. Thank God, you have no idea how bad I needed it this week. Someone will come in and say, you know what, man, I just want you to know I noticed you've been doing good in this area. Thanks, man, I needed to hear that today. And I say that to you, and you say it to me, we say it to each other. I message people. You all have, most of you have gotten some sort of a text or a message from me at some point. I'm not saying that's because I'm also, I'm saying because you've done it to me too. Why? Because the people of faith encourage each other. They warn each other. And some days, maybe if I'm feeling down in the dumps and like, man, you know what? This, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this. And then boom. A brother or sister from the house of faith text. I'm praying for you today, man. I just want you to know that you are going to triumph. God is for you. He's not against you. You're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I say, you know what? Yes, I am. I am going to make it through this. What was I thinking? You helped me renew my mind. I love that fact about being a Christian. And so I'm telling you right now, you need to get some people of faith in your life. You need to encourage other people within this church. You need to be encouraged by other people. And, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm exhorting you right now. Be around the people of faith a whole lot more than you're around the people that are not of faith. Because these people, they'll encourage you. They'll warn you when they see you going off track. And you can be a little snowflake and get mad and say, oh, don't tell me. No, I appreciate some warning. I appreciate when somebody said, man, you've been a little snappy lately. Hey, tell me about it. I want to know. Tell me about it. I'm not I'm not going to melt down. Tell me about it so I can be the man that my wife needs me to be. I can be the dad that these kids need. I can be the pastor. I can be the guy that this church needs me to be. I need encouraged and I need warned sometimes. And hanging out with people of faith is a big key to your success in getting your mind renewed. And so the bottom line to the whole Thing today is this you need to start realizing who you are in Christ quit calling yourself fat I'm serious quit calling yourself ugly quit calling yourself weak and poor and a failure and and that girl and that guy that made those mistakes back then stop saying that Start calling yourself, man, there's that blessed guy. There's that blessed girl. There she goes. There's that guy that's a child of God. There's that family. There's that house where the peace of God rules. There's that home where the joy of the Lord fills it up. There's that guy that's a success. You And if you have, you look in the mirror, because of what Jesus did, I'm a success. I always triumph. I never, I never lose, ever. I never lose. I always win in Christ Jesus. But if we could get some Christians that would start seeing this, if we could get some Christians that would quit putting themselves down and start saying, yes, I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God. Never again am I going to be held back 
I will hold my head high. I will walk with confidence every day of my life because of what Jesus did for me. Jesus loved me so much that he would have died if I was the only sinner in the world. That's how much Jesus loved me. And when you get that revelation, you're going to hold your head high. You're not going to walk in shame anymore and regret. You're going to charge forward in life and rise to the top every single time. You, my friend, you're awesome. You're incredible, man. You're beautiful. You're handsome. You're awesome. You're the best because of Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.